You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 128 of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm Mary, and I'm here with my co-host, Jamie. And believe it or not, producer Don is very chatty today. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. He is. Normally, we can't get him to say a word. He's all business. Today, he wanted to share. Yeah. Very business. Very, like, yes, no answers. Do you know why? I think he's fully into our mindset month. Oh, maybe that's what it is. He's breaking out of the shell. (laughs) He's feeling a lot more in touch with his feelings. You're welcome, Don. We're going to get a million messages from him now. (laughs) What this is actually going to sound like when it goes live is not going to be this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I can't believe we're at the end of mindset August. It's, It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that went by fast. Yeah, really good stuff. And really, it's a topic we'll have to revisit, I'm sure. Well, we had so many other ideas, and there's only so many weeks in August. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But this is a good one. I'm glad we're ending on this one, because this one, this topic is very close to your heart. It is. It is. We're talking about whole brain thinking today, friends. And I know I've mentioned it before. Jamie and I have talked about it, too, because I've done work with her and her team whole brain thinking and how we tie it today in with the entrepreneur mindset, I think is a really great thing for people to hear about and kind of understand a little bit better because it helps people relate to not only themselves, but to the other people they're either working with or managing or, you know, whatever the situation might be. You mean like difficult clients? None of us have those. No, no, we don't have those. What are you talking about? So you have to give a little more context. I feel like I have a leg up on this one because I did do work with you, but I feel like right. you need to give a little intro to the intro to explain mm-hmm. what whole brain thinking is, um, how people use it and why you even get to talk about it. We're going to be very fancy today. I like that intro to the intro. <laughs> it's very meta. Yes. <laughs> right. We're going to get you like so universally aligned. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Mindset August. Yeah. Jamie's really happy this month is finishing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She's like, I can't take anymore. We're not revisiting this for like at least a year and a half. Just not (laughs) happening. 
It's okay. I've got it. Um, yeah. So whole brain thinking. So tying in also with our guest today, which I'll get into a little bit more later, but um, we've worked together quite a bit and I've worked with Jamie in this area. Whole brain thinking for me, it really, it's going to, it's going to sound maybe a little extra, but it really did change. It really was a, came at a pivotal time in my life and it really changed my life in some ways. I know that sounds like big, but it's true because it really gave me an insight into myself in a different way. And not only that, but like how I can use it to apply to things. So generally speaking, we'll get more into this in the episode too, but whole brain thinking is, it's based on the four quadrants of the brain and we'll explain what they are, but at a base, it's um, the analytical part, the planning and implementation part, the people and emotional focus part, and the big picture thinking and visionary part. And really, you need all four of these pieces to, to, I mean, everyone has all four of these in their brain, these thinking preferences, but you really need all four of them in some way, shape, or form to be effective, especially as you're running your business or, I mean, even managing people or whatever it might be. So today's episode, I thought would be great for people to get to know a little bit more about themselves and how what this framework um, is like, because it can be really helpful for, yeah, running a business. I actually plan my business strategies using whole brain thinking. So it's the process of like using all those four quadrants and making sure that you're using them all in your business. Because if you try to implement without the plan, it's like you're, you know, driving the car without any navigation kind of thing, you know? So really tying all four pieces together is what is what's really helpful. Yeah. That's why I get lost all the time. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It depends. Like it depends. Well, you're very, you're very visionary. You're not so details. So that's why, that's why you always are hiring people to help you with that portion. That is exactly right. Yes. But I learned that. And right. it took me a long time to understand that because um, planning is not my strong suit. So once I figured that out, I just hired around it. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, I love it. I think it's really, it's, it's really powerful. And whether you're in corporate or running your own business. So I first heard about it um, while I was still in corporate. I did a workshop with the leadership team that I was on and then from that, I loved it so much. I went and got certified and started using it in my own business and with other people. So yeah, it's really powerful. I'm really excited that we're covering this topic. Well, one of the things I like about it is it's actually like a methodology you can be certified in. So you have done the training, you know what you're doing. This is something that is a proven methodology um, that has, there's you know, a report and there's a clear test and there's ways to implement. And it's very, to me, it's very tangible. And that's what I liked most about it was like, I walked away with something and with actual strategies that I could use. It helped me understand how my employees think so that I can better communicate with them. And that is huge because what I learned, and this is very surprising, is they can't read my mind. <laughs> And I was really disappointed and I almost fired all of them because they couldn't. But this very clearly helped me really 
frame my instruction because like you said, I'm not the best planner and I often have a lot of ideas and I throw them at people without sufficient detail. And I learned who on my staff is able to sort of take that and turn it into something and who on my staff needs very clear guidelines and boundaries. And neither one is good or bad. It just is. And so it's helpful to have an understanding of that because it just sets everyone up for success. Right. Exactly. The, yeah, the awareness is a huge thing. And you're right. I love the application piece too, because with whole brain thinking, like it really has you seeing these four quadrants, understanding them, but then using all four of them to communicate, to build strategies, to run projects. Um, so it's all, it's all really in there, which I love. Okay. And to go with it. So we'll, I just, I'm overdue to introduce our guest, but to go with it today, we actually have a link that I'll put in the show notes with a a visual, a graphic that um, people can see. Of course, not when you're driving. Safety first, everyone. Um, But whenever you have a free minute and you're scrolling on your phone, it'll give you a visual of, of what it looks like. Sometimes that's easier for people to see. I am a visual learner, so that is very helpful for someone like me, so... I'm glad you, the people like me listening are very happy to have that. You're welcome. Tell us, tell us about the guest. I know you read our minds. I should hire you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my staff is amazing. I love them very much. I do not expect them to read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's good that you clarified that. Just yeah, no, they're the, they're the greatest. They can never leave me. And I've already made that very clear. Good. Good. So our guest today, I, I actually, I have to also say, Our guest today is someone that I work with that I met years ago and that has been both um, a mentor and a colleague to me in different ways. And we do actually do some projects together. So I'm super excited that he came on the show today. Dr. Jay Chopra is the co-founder of Making Shift Happen, an innovative whole brain coaching company. Jay is a former Fortune 100 executive specializing in leadership development, team effectiveness, innovation, and culture change. Jay has extensive experience as an organizational development consultant, having traveled to 20-plus countries to work with various multinational organizations, routinely operating at senior leadership level. He also works with clients in a virtual environment via webinars, virtual executive coaching, and virtual team facilitation. Jay holds a PhD in science and is one of only a handful of master-certified whole-brain inclusion facilitators globally. He's also a certified executive coach. And now, on to the episode... Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mary. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. This is going to be great. So let's jump right in. Why don't you tell us about the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument? Yeah, sure. The Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, or HBDI, is a a useful diagnostic for measuring uh, and decoding cognitive diversity. So if you think of any company, any organization, whether it's one person, two people, or 20,000 people, the organization already has cognitive diversity or, in other words, people thinking differently. And um, really what HBDI does is it allows us to measure the the different types of thinking in an organization. And and as I said, allows us to decode the cognitive diversity so that we can ultimately uh, form uh, more inclusive work environments. 
And what is whole brain thinking? So whole brain thinking is is a concept that was developed by Ned Herman. So Ned Herman was working for GE at the time, and he was um, head of management education at at GE at Crotonville, and he he effectively developed this whole brain thinking model on the back of some award winning Nobel Prize cognitive science. And whole brain thinking really is a it's a metaphor for how our brain works. So it's a first order engineering approximation to mental diversity. And it effectively splits the brain into four quadrants. The upper left brain, or what we call analytical intelligence. The lower left brain, or what we call operational intelligence. Then the lower right brain, or what we call relational intelligence. And the, the upper right brain, which is what we call creative intelligence. So the whole brain thinking model is a really useful framework and it allows us to operationalize or implement cognitive inclusion in in any in any organization whether it be small or big so ultimately the hbdi the herman brain dominance instrument allows us to measure cognitive diversity and the different thinking styles and whole brain thinking is a common language that allows us to implement as i said cognitive inclusion which is effectively inclusive ways of operating that take in the four different thinking styles that I just outlined, analytical intelligence, operational intelligence, relational intelligence, and creative intelligence. And the research shows us that when we operate in more uh, cognitively inclusive ways, then we get 78% more effective communication, we're 130% better at decision-making, you know, we get 66% improvement in team productivity, and, and we get 70% faster speed to job mastery, for example. So so really, this is a very practical framework. So a lot of assessments like Myers-Briggs, for example, allows us to measure uh, personality types in, in that instance. But it's very hard to implement and operationalize that in the, in the real world. And that's the advantage that HBDI and, and whole brain thinking has. This whole brain thinking common language allows us to very practically implement whole brain thinking in our organization across different different areas whether it be in sales so like whole brain approaches to sales or whole brain approaches to innovation or whole brain approaches to entrepreneurship etc so it's a very it allows us to use these very practical frameworks to implement whole brain thinking and ultimately create cognitively inclusive organizations yeah that's what i love about it is that it's it's really it brings things together for people so basically what you're saying is people have their own thinking preferences and then it's about how do we work together, right? How do you work with people that have different preferences than you? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of a framework for, for diversity and inclusion, really, from a, from a thinking perspective. So yeah, like we all have different preferences in each of the quadrants. Obviously, each of us has a brain, right? So we all have all uh, parts of the brain, uh, but, but to different amounts and we activate those parts of the brain to, to different amounts. So yeah, it is about being open to the different thinking styles that are around us and including those thinking styles for maximum effectiveness, I guess, in the, in the business world, whether, whether we're large organizations or whether we're small, smaller organizations or, or in fact, uh, entrepreneurs. So effectively, it, it, it is about diversity and inclusion of thinking styles. And we either include them by building bridges with other people or we actually implement practical frameworks to help us stretch into the different quadrants. So even if we're... Even if we're entrepreneurs, for example, or if we're a solopreneur and we're operating on our own, 
you know, if there's parts of the brain we aren't covering, then we've got to find ways of stretching in there either by collaborating with others or by disciplining ourselves to, to stretch into those areas of the brain. So, for example, a lot of entrepreneurs can be quite innovative and, you know, big picture thinkers and have great innovative ideas. Opposite thinking style to that a lot of the time is, is being organized and planned and detailed and sequenced around implementation. So while a lot of entrepreneurs have, you know, may have some really great ideas, some of them struggle with with the implementation part or the operational uh, mindset. And that's where if you do a HBDI assessment, you can understand where you have the strong preferences, where you have the weaker preferences, and then perhaps needing to collaborate with others to to stretch into that part of the brain or the operational or implementation part, as I was just giving as an example there. So, yeah, very useful to understand how you think understand how others think and how we can build bridges if the diversity is there or how we can actually collaborate with others if we're missing some parts as well. For our listeners too, so I first took the HBDI assessment with you when I was still in the corporate world and it was interesting to see my profile when I was working at a company, right, and using it for leadership and team effectiveness and then how I viewed my profile differently when I went out on my own and became an entrepreneur because suddenly those those other parts of me I had to pay more attention to in a different way to be able to run my business more effectively, basically. Yeah, and, and each of us, as I was saying, each of us have strong preferences in some areas of the brain and weaker preferences in other areas of the brain. And and yeah, I think, you know, when somebody's operating as an entrepreneur, for example, it's it's a matter of really utilizing the areas where we have strong preferences, whether it be in building relationships or whether it be in, in, the, in the creative mindset. And then also going to the brain gym and lifting some weights <laughs> in the areas where we may not have strong preferences. And, that, and that's what the research shows us, that despite what our profile is, we can all learn how to stretch into the different quadrants by going into the brain gym and, and really practicing stretching into those areas every you know, every day of the week. And a, a practical example from my from my own uh, world really is that, so when, when we set up our business, I have a more right brain preference, for example. So, you know, relational intelligence and creative intelligence. And my business partner has more of a left brain preference, which is the analytical mindset, the upper left brain and the operational mindset, the, the lower left brain. And so we're a great example of, uh, you know, a pair of business owners and, and you know, who have the, whole brain real estate covered between us and we often say to our clients when we're sitting in front of them you know that we we have a brain between us in a joking way uh, but but like that yeah. is exactly it right even with two people right there we cover the whole brain real estate between us now that's good because the raw material for you know for for inclusion is there but then we've got to value each other's thinking styles as well to be able to build the bridges between those four different thing different thinking styles and um, so, so there's a diversity piece and there's an inclusion piece. And for the inclusion piece, we've got a value and we've got to welcome in and invite in the different the different thinking styles. It's great that I, I love this. We've talked about it before that you and your business partner kind of cover the two cover two yes, quadrants yes. each. That's really yes. nice to yes. have a business partner that does that because then you don't have to worry about, yeah, the stuff that is not as interesting to you. Yes. But for you know, and for someone like me, it's more about, okay, where am I and where can I, perhaps it's not through a business partner, of course, but where can I get the support 
to to fill those other spaces for me. Totally, totally, Mary. Yeah, that that's exactly it. And it's it's and the first step on that journey, I guess, is about understanding. Say in your example, understanding what your natural thinking styles are, where where the strength strong preferences are, and and then as I was saying earlier, utilizing those, and then saying, okay, where are the gaps, or where where are the areas you need to stretch more into, and and then it is there's two ways to stretch in there. Really, it's either through people or or through process. So you can bring other people in by whether it's having mentors or collaborating with others or being part of a network. So that's the people stretch. Or we can stretch into those other areas of the brain through process as well. So following stepwise processes that force us to stretch into a certain part of the brain that may not be natural for us. And the more we the more we stretch in there, the easier it gets. And that that's exactly where I was going earlier with the story around my business partner, even though. So for me, the, the green quadrant, that operational intelligence piece is you know, has been a challenge for me over the years, but you've the stretched. More I've been yeah, I've been stretching, you've stretched exactly, into it. Exactly. <laughs> the more I've been around my business partner and and yourself as well, Mary, the, the more I've been practicing and practicing stretching into that like detail and implementation and organizing and sequencing. And the more I'm stretching in there, the easier and more natural it's it's becoming for me, even though it's not my natural preference. And and really my natural style is a little bit of fire ready aim, right? So I've got that <laughs> big picture and I've got that gut instinct and I just drive on, right? And that sometimes when, you know, that can burn us and it has burned me in, in, in my career in the past. So what I've learned now is by incorporating in some, so what I've learned now is by incorporating in some of that lower left brain sequenced planning, I now like to follow a ready aim fire uh, approach rather than a fire ready, ready aim approach. Right rather than a fire aim ready approach or fire ready aim approach so so really trying to be more holistic in what we do whether we're on our own as an entrepreneur or whether we're in larger teams equally we you know for maximum effectiveness trying to tap into the four different types of thinking uh, the research shows us that 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 really is the answer and actually interestingly there's a lot of research as well that shows us that the best entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs that use whole brain approaches so in other words, the ability to be able to flex between left brain thinking and right brain thinking and to be able to go back and forward between between both. So like the left brain thinking to remind the listeners is analytical and and sort of detailed and operational. And the right brain thinking is more creative and sort of intuitive and, and interpersonal. So there is, you know, good research out there that shows us that the most successful entrepreneurs have the ability to go back and forward between both. So they're. So in other words, they've got these really big ideas, they're informed and they resonate with their customers. They know how to get their ideas implemented as well, that then give them the return on um, investment and, and help them to make some profit. So, so really it's, it's a mixture, entrepreneurship is a mixture of you know, possibilities, resonating with the people, following a process to implement it, and then getting the payoff as well as a result. And that, that represents the four different types of thinking styles. And, Interestingly, when the, when Einstein died as well, and they analysed Einstein's brain, his brain was the same as yours or mine, Mary. Right? The only <laughs> difference was that he had a lot more interconnectivity tissue between left and right brain across the corpus callosum. So, so that obviously that is some good evidence as well for the ability to be able to be agile and go across uh, between left and right brain is, is central to being um, to being successful. And obviously, in 
in Einstein's uh, situation being quite smart as well. Right, right. So in that case, what are some what are some of the things that you think are most challenging for entrepreneurs? I think a lot of the time, one of the biggest things for me that's hard for entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs, people who are on their own, is that sense of isolation and that sense of it's not as easy to lean on others where other people have more natural preferences to be able to help and support you. So so I think uh, an antidote to that, you know, perhaps is even if you're a solopreneur, you know, really still having a team. So that team is a team of people who think differently and whether they're formal or informal relationships to be able to help solopreneurs stretch to the different areas of the brain where they may not naturally stretch to and really trying to run businesses in whole brain ways. So, so in other words, what does that mean? Run a business where there's room for creativity, run businesses where we're very close to our customer, where we have very strong processes as well. That's critical. And whereby we're also focused on the financials. And again, those four areas I just went through cover the four areas of the brain as well. So, so really, whether it's a solopreneur or whether it's an organization of 100,000 people, I really think it's the same answer. It's, it's working with a team of people, either formally or informally, that bring different perspectives to the table. Yeah, that's, I mean, it goes even with the fact, like I have a a group text, I think I've even mentioned on the podcast before, a, a group text with some of my closest friends that are all entrepreneurs. And we kind of, I actually, I've actually done all their profiles and we kind of bounce things off of each other too. And it's good to get the different perspectives because it does push us different ways. Definitely, definitely. And you know, especially getting perspectives from people who annoy us, right? That's actually yeah. one of the... That's actually one of the big signals that if somebody's style tends to annoy us, it means that it suggests that, you know, what they're telling us is outside our current frame of reference. So perhaps we we, we need to stretch and listen to them a little bit more. And that's that's what happens between the four different thinking styles quadrants that they can rub up against each other and trigger each other, the different sort of thinking styles. So, for example, big picture creativity and detailed processes can, can you know th- those different thinking styles can rub up against each other and and trigger people um, and normally as you know when we get triggered we tend to run away from people but the secret mm. of the secret to cognitive inclusion is when we get triggered by others we lean in and try and meet the other people halfway so so just being careful that we're not surrounding ourselves with people who think the same as us either because then we won't get challenged and we won't grow and we won't be operating in whole brain ways so so yes the support groups are critically important like you yeah, like you outlined, uh, Mary, and also trying to seek people out who who tend to think differently to us and may even annoy us a little bit because there there's there's some there's some value in there for us if we can be humble enough to lean in and try and meet those folks halfway and understand where they're coming from and and integrate what they're telling us into into our businesses. Leaning into the growth, really, like accepting it as growth exactly. versus turning it off. Exactly, and and like mo- many of us. Many of us, when people, you know, operate in different ways to us and think in different ways, we normally run away from them because mm-hmm. it's that it's that fight or flight response. When something annoys us, we either run away from it or we fight and we get we almost get sort of, you know, our backs are up and we're ready for a debate. And and actually, debate is fine, but it's it's trying to say, OK, actually, you know what? Rather than saying you're right and I'm wrong, it's kind of saying, OK where's the middle ground here and how how can we meet halfway because when we meet halfway that's where the value is like another example of that is 
you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, for example, will be very people focused and, you know, want to make it make a positive dent in the universe from a from a people perspective. And then you have other people who are very commercially focused, which is the opposite type of thinking. Yes. But actually, those types of thinking can trigger each other. But to, to be honest, the social entrepreneurs can can learn a lot from the commercial world. And the commercial world can, you know, the more commercially focused world can learn a lot from the social entrepreneur world. So you need both. And and usually those worlds can, say even the world of NGOs versus the world of, you know, a big corporate, people see them as diagonally opposite or, you know, very different. But actually, if they can meet halfway, that's where the value is, because you can't run, for example, you can't run a charity or an NGO without having good financial processes. So the answer to running a successful NGO is, having a whole brain business the answer to running a, a large corporate multinational organization is also operating in a whole brain way so they're different journeys so rather than them seeing them as different and we run away from each other it's more about can we be curious and learn from each other i love that how about for the for some of the applications which whole brain applications do you think are most helpful for entrepreneurs it's a good question right so, so in terms of application, we're talking about these practical tools that we can use to to operate in, in in cognitive inclusive ways. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one that pops into my head straight away is for for entrepreneurs is is whole brain innovation. And and what what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, like for example, that you know, okay, so it's a lot of us see innovation as just an idea, so this creative idea, but that that's not whole brain innovation. Whole brain innovation says, yes, I have this. In the upper right brain, I have this creative idea. In the lower right brain, it, you know, it resonates with a certain market and it's been, it's it's based on insights from the market, which is great. And then from there, we're saying, okay, what's the commercial advantage of this offering or product in the upper left brain or the, or the analytical quadrant or the data focus quadrant? And then we're saying, okay, so we've looked at the, we have a creative idea. It resonates with the market. Here's the payoff. And then we ultimately go down into process and say, how are we going to implement it in a sequenced, cadenced fashion, in a sequenced, cadenced approach so that we actually get shit done, to pardon the French, right? So we want to get it implemented because without action, there is no innovation. So like we often see innovation as being an idea. And for me, for entrepreneurship, innovation is about having an idea that's informed from insights from the market. And there's an ROI or return on investment on that. And then there's a there's a sequenced, disciplined approach to implementing that idea before you move on to the next idea and the next idea. Because what can all, what can often happen with entrepreneurs is that the dazzling lights of new ideas keep catching the attention of the entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> and by the time we get the first idea implemented, we're on to idea four. And what happens is we have 10 big products or 10 big ideas and none of them get implemented. And right. that can be a watch out for entrepreneurs. So for me, one of the big applications for entrepreneurs really is about is about using a whole brain approach to innovation. So and a whole brain innovation, a whole brain approach to innovation looks at innovating using creativity, you know, innovating using collaboration with the market, innovating, you know, with a focus and a lens on return on investment and innovating with a disciplined view on getting stuff done, because I guess the risk sometimes for entrepreneurs can be, you know, juggling a hundred ideas and and getting none of them to market. So I think that's one example that that springs to mind is is whole brain innovation. I guess Mary, another yeah. application that springs to mind 
and it was something I was just thinking about this morning is around whole brain communication. Um, yeah. And it was only this morning I figured out that the word union is in communication or, or it's, it's implied in there. So it just struck me as I was reading something this morning. And I think that's another big thing for, for entrepreneurs is that being unified with, with your audience. And, and again, the research shows us that the best way to, you know, the most effective way to, to connect with any audience is, is in a whole brain way. So, so again, like, for example, if somebody said to me, you've got 10 minutes to get ready and you've got to give a pitch, I'd be using a whole brain approach for that pitch as an entrepreneur. And what do I mean by that? That means that I'd be structuring my message in a way that uses the four different thinking styles. So the upper left brain, the lower left brain, the upper right brain, and the lower right brain. So practically speaking, what does that mean? Well, any message, any communication has a what, a why, a who, and a how. So what's my message? What's the what of my message? So what's the content? What do I want to get across? What's then going over to the why? So the why of my message, then the who or the impact on people, and then the how and the details. So any anything we're structuring as a communication that we're structuring it as, you know, what is my message, the what of my message, the why of my message, the who of my message, and the how of my message. And by doing that, it stretches, it it helps me stretch into the four different uh, quadrants when I'm communicating, which then means that my message won't be filtered out by half of the audience. So mm-hmm. when we're communicating in a whole brain way, it means everybody can process that and, and understand the message. Yeah, I think that's very important to note because when you when you do it in that way, and I, I personally also love whole brain communication, when you do it in that way, you're able to reach everybody no matter where their thinking preference is. And same goes for the other things too, right? Even for innovation, if you're working with a group of people in a room on new product development or something, yes, you by using all of the quadrants, you really connect everyone, even though there might also be conflict. Totally, yeah. And like, I mean, four questions that can be very useful to help us stretch to the four different quadrants in any situation. Um, and it's almost a bit of a brain hack here. You know, what's the ROI? If we ask the question, what's the ROI? return on investment, it stretches everyone into the profit or the, or the upper left brain quadrant. Mm-hmm. If we ask, what are the possibilities here? It stretches everybody up into the creative quadrant and we're exploring options. If, if, I, if I say, you know, who can help here and ask the who question, it's stretching everyone into the red or empathetic or people uh, thinking style. And if we simply ask, what's the process here? Then we're stretching everybody into the, into the operational or lower left brain type thinking. So even asking those four questions, you know, what's the ROI? What are the possibilities here? Who can help? And what's the process? Asking those four questions in any situation, to your point, allows us to, to stretch into the four different quadrants, operate in an inclusive fashion that will resonate with our with our audiences. Yes, I love that. So we're going to urge all of our listeners to, to uh, adopt yes. that approach. <laughs> For sure. Because it's so helpful. <laughs> For sure, for sure, you know, and and I think a great, exactly, Mary, a great first step for for any of your listeners is to is to decode their own individual uh, Herman Brain profile, you know, by taking the Herman Brain dominance instrument. Because unless we understand our thinking styles, then we don't know what we're subconsciously leaning on and what we're subconsciously missing. So by getting that current state analysis of our thinking style, especially for solopreneurs and for entrepreneurs. Then we kind of say, okay, how can I build a team around me or how can I build my business processes 
to ensure that I'm operating in a whole brain way because all the research shows us that when we operate it in a whole brain way, then we we get more ROI and ROI in that instance is return on intelligence. So to operate in, a, in an intelligent way, we've got to be leaning in and stretching into the four different thinking styles. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Thanks, Jay. You are welcome, Mary. So I have a question that we ask all of our listeners before we close out, and that is, what is something you used to fear in your business but don't anymore? Ah, that's a that's a really interesting question. <laughs> the first thing actually that comes to mind is is just about fear fear in general. Uh, so so like when I think of fear as an acronym, I can I think of you know some people say it's you know false evidence appearing real. I like to always think it's it's face face everything and rise. Some people also also like to think it's a uh, F everything and run, right? So when we're thinking of fear. So that's the, that's the, you can cut that out if you like. Um, no, that's the, great. I that's love that. The, you know, like it can be, so fear in the first instance can be, you know, false evidence appearing real, forget everything and run, face everything and rise, or everything and run as well, right? So, 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 but basically, yeah. So, so I guess when I look at fear in general, and we all have different fears in, in our lives at different stages, and then both, personally and professionally and um, when you boil all fear down it comes down to two things uh, for me the fear of not being enough or the fear of not being loved and really both of those can get our get in our way as entrepreneurs right if for example the fear of not being loved means you know we might avoid situ- situations that would that like sales pitches that we where we may feel rejected and the fear of not being enough means we we might never find our authentic voice, for example. So so for me, all of the fears can be boiled up, boiled down into those two fears. And like, really, I suppose being honest about it, one of my fears was always financial. You know, as an entrepreneur, like what you know, manage our cash flows, and you know, can we, you know, where's our cash flows, and are we okay for six months? Are we okay for a year? Or, you know, really trying to keep track of the bank balances and all that kind of thing. But you know what? During COVID nineteen and in recent times, I've just that's just gone away for me. And and mm-hmm. I think it's, I think really because I got a sense of balance through COVID nineteen because I'm uh, like everybody else. I'm at home more. I've you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not on the road like my job. Invo- you know, as a management consultant involved involved me being on the road a lot more. So when I'm more centered in myself, which I am. Uh, through COVID-19 because I'm at home more then that fear seems to have gone away and and it, it helps me refocus on what I believe we should all be doing as, as entrepreneurs or as, as professionals and that's really saying what are my unique gifts how do I serve the world <laughs> using those unique gifts mm-hmm. and then trusting the world will serve me back that doesn't mean that I'm not still going to be focused on ROI or I'm not going to be focused on process as well. But but I do fundamentally believe in that, in that principle whereby we say, you know, we're all in Eastern philosophy, they call it Dharma, as you know, Mary, right? That mm-hmm. we're all born with a Dharma and our journey in life for as professionals is to find what our Dharma, our purpose in life is, and which is using our unique gifts to make a little positive difference in the world, or as Steve Jobs used to call it. A positive dent in the universe and all of our positive dents may not be as big as Steve Jobs <laughs> dent <laughs> on the universe but we can all make a dent in a different way but for me if we focus on 
using your unique gifts to make a positive difference in the world. And we operate in a whole brain way, which is obviously people focus, service focus, using, you know, creativity and entrepreneurship, following processes and having ROI as well. If we do both of those together, focus on ROI, then I, I think success follows us. So so like really what I'm what I'm really saying is that I think the reason that fear has gone away, that specific fear, is because I've refocused on I think what's important as a professional to say, how can I use my unique gifts to make a positive difference and serve serve something beyond myself in a small way and, and, and make a positive difference. And I think then what happens is that as we do that, our enthusiasm or our enthusiasm for what we do shines through. We do good work. And when we do good work, we get more traction and more work comes. So I know it's a bit of a fluffy concept, but I do firmly believe in that when we, when we first of all, find what our unique gifts are, and second of all, have the courage to, to move in a direction where we're using our unique gifts to make a positive difference in the world and serving something beyond ourselves in a, in a small way or in a big way. And that serves us back as well. When when we focus on that and are really on on, on purpose-driven entrepreneurship rather than what's in it for me, it's like, what can I give? And it's a bit of both, right? We want to be able to serve and we want to be served as well in terms of fiscally and financially and from an abundance perspective. So I think refocusing on how can I serve rather than what's in it for me has actually interestingly reduced the financial fear, which is which was always an irrational fear I had anyway. But right. I think the quicker the quicker I used to run, I, I was on the road and running. And the more I'd be running and the more work I was doing, the more the fear would grow. So I think it was just a signal that I wasn't centered in myself. Whereas now I'm at home more, more centered in myself. And that that fear has gone away. And I do think, I do really think that point around being grounded and being centered is is probably the it's probably yes. a lot of the answer to reducing any fear. Yes. I I've definitely felt that way over like during COVID too. It's one of one of the actual positives of COVID, I think, is the the slowdown part. Yeah, and as, exactly. And the, as I shared with you as well, Mary, in our conversations through COVID that I've got on my board behind me here that home is my anchor. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, whereas in the in the role, in the, in, in, whereas in the way I was operating, I was on the road all the time and wasn't at home. And, and when I didn't have that anchor, then the fears were more prevalent for me anyway. Now that I have that anchor, I've just been able to refocus on, I've just been able to refocus on really, doing what I enjoy doing, trying to make a positive difference and leaving the rest take care of itself. I love that. Doesn't mean, of course, it. of course, Mary, doesn't mean we're not still tracking cash flows. Right. It's, right. it's not in a, it's not in a fearful way though. It's just in a, yes. it's in a whole brain way. It's, it's good practice, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Jay, can you tell everyone where they can find you to learn more? Yes, absolutely. For sure, Mary. Yeah. The, people can find me on www.makingshifthappen.ie they can find me under Jay Chopra on LinkedIn or you can Google me or whatever Uh, mainly active mainly active on LinkedIn uh, really uh, Mary and and then via our website as well and we'll put links in the show notes too so people can easily access it yeah fantastic yeah fantastic and it's great to have the opportunity to to talk with you today, uh, Mary, and I think entrepreneurship is is a very exciting thing for people to be involved in, and it's you know it takes a lot of courage to be an entrepreneur, but 
it also takes a very robust plan and, and having the discipline to stick to that plan as well and, and be agile around it when it's not working. Excellent. Excellent points. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Mary. That was excellent. I learned something, even though I had already been through the process. It was very good. Yeah, he's great. There's he, a, I learn something every time I talk to Jay. <laughs> and he has a cool accent. He does, yes. Unlike me, who has no accent at all. Same. Same with me. No accent. None. Zero. Thank you. That's not true. I was going to say no one from New Jersey has accents. But I do think people confuse New Jersey and New York, and they kind of like interchange them. Thank you. And that's you. really not right. No. Although I will say that my... Um, my, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and my younger sister has a very terrible Philadelphia accent. <laughs> and every time I talk to her, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I escape that? She does live in Philadelphia though. So it's, oh. it's certainly is a bit different, but yeah, nope, no accent here. We all sound lovely. The accent everybody thinks of is the one that they heard on uh, Jersey Shore oh, yeah. or the Sopranos. Right. That is typically from Staten Island. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like everyone wasn't, wasn't everyone from Jersey Shore from New York? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just like told that on repeat to people when it came out. Yeah. I was like, they're not from New Jersey. Although one of them now lives in um, uh, East Hanover because my friend lives out there, which is a suburb in New Jersey. For those of you who do not know New Jersey suburbs, because why would you? But it is a, a northern New Jersey suburb, more of a New York suburb. Uh but pretty far out there, at least an hour from New York City. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Snooky lives in East Hanover and my friend sees her all the time. <laughs> oh, really? I was going to say she has a she has a shop. I don't remember where. Summit, Morristown, somewhere. She has a store. All New Jersey suburbs that do not have accents the way right. you would expect to <laughs> Although I feel like the Sopranos gave us a bit of a bum rap. There are some places in New Jersey that yeah, sound like true. the Sopranos, which yeah. was an excellent show. Although a very small portion of the population which <laughs> New Jersey relates to the Sopranos. So, but we digress. Whole brain thinking. It is awesome. Check out the download. It'll be very helpful. Mary, you should drop that link into uh, the group so everybody in the group can check it out. Oh, yes. I will do that too. Perk of being in the group. Yeah. You don't have to go to the show notes. Yeah, if you're if you're not already in our Facebook group, you can search Facebook by typing. Actually, Jamie always says this part. Let's see if I get it right. <laughs> Fearless. Fearless Business Podcast HQ. You got it. <laughs> so join us there because obviously we're lots of fun. You can tell us where you live or if you know New Jersey. Or if you have an accent. <laughs> yeah. Or if you think Mary or I have a New Jersey accent. How yeah. about that one? That's because we don't. A good one. We Do we have an accent? No. No. Thank you. Anyway, you can find us there in the Facebook group, or you can find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. 
If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.